0: Welcome to this episode of the Insights Podcast on the Huddle Network. I'm Don Mills.
1: And I'm David Campbell.
0: David, we thought that uh, our listeners would be interested in in, in us doing a podcast uh, related to tourism, uh, given that this is the height of the tourism industry and it's in a rebound, of course, uh, following the pandemic. And uh, so we chose that we uh, would uh, spend some time with the uh, uh, president and COO of Fox Harbor, uh, which has been... uh, very important to the Cumberland County over the last 20 years since it was opened. And uh, so we had a really good conversation about what has been going on uh, at the resort uh, and um, and what their plans are going forward. And they've got continuing ambition to uh, build that resort into even a bigger success than it currently is.
1: Yeah, that's right. I've always had a theory. Of course, there's nothing – even close to Fox Harbor in New Brunswick, uh, there's some, you know, Algonquin Resort. There's a few smaller, uh, more more uh, discreet kind of uh, ventures, but nothing like Fox Harbor. I've always wondered how those happen. So I've been to a number in Alberta, in Quebec, in the U.S., and it does seem to always be somebody with a big amount of capital and the appetite to invest that capital for a long term. Uh, return right because this is really I mean as, as we'll talk about in the interview that they're still not making profit on that 20 years later uh, and they're still investing tens and tens of millions of dollars so so but on the other hand it's very successful and they're building it up to a point where, where they think it'll be sustainable. So I, I think it's a very interesting thing and there's got to be a lesson in there Don for future investment into tourism infrastructure in across our region? Like, how do you do that? You, there's not a lot of Ron Joyce's around. So where do you find these other patient investors that are prepared to put $100 million into some very impressive tourism uh, tourism asset?
0: Well, this is kind of like the Ziba, Zeta Cobb story in um, Fogle Island, isn't it? <laughs> you know, yeah. um, people return to their roots. Uh, they're trying to make a difference to where they came from prepared to take a lot of risk uh uh, on a project and spend a lot of money uh to build it out and in in both cases you know with success Uh, you can imagine uh, looking at that piece of land before there was a single shovel in the ground and imagining a resort that is there today that that takes a fair amount of commitment and vision and also a love of the province in which ron joyce grew up that's the why that's why it was built there and as you mentioned I've known. I've been going there since the day it opened uh, a few times a year. It's a great place to go, and 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 I knew from the very start that it was heavily subsidized by Ron Joyce, because he had a long-term uh, vision of what um, of what that resort could be, and they're nearing that point. But it's taken a full 20 years to get to this point. And and by the way, the pandemic's actually been beneficial to the resort in a funny way because. They had a construction boom um, over the pandemic in, in housing, and uh, they've added 20 houses, I think, or something like that in the last two years, um, and, and which is an investment of between 25 and $30 million based on our conversation. That's all money that basically stays in the community, stays in Nova Scotia. Um, you know, uh, it gets returned to, uh, governments for, for with taxation, you know, it, and that commitment to spend money, uh, is really impressive. And, and, uh, Kevin also said that over the next five years, they're, they're likely to spend about the same amount of money. So a lot of money being invested with a long-term vision that it's going to be sustainable and, and, and be able to break even, um, from its operations. And, and I can tell just being there recently that it, there's a lot more activity happening and, um, and there's a lot more uh, people around than ever uh, uh, at the resort.
1: Yeah, he said uh, thirty-five to forty thousand guests a year, uh, and I was surprised at how much is going on there. Other than golf, they've got uh, tours to Sable Island, they've got fishing, they've got spa, they've got a whole bunch of things—a vineyard. Uh, all of that we'll unpack in the in the story here. But um, yeah, very interesting. Uh, uh, tourism experience well beyond golf. Although I guess the golf, Don, you're a long-term golfer. I guess the golf is pretty good there too.
0: Long, long-term declining golfer. That's me. Um, <laughs> uh, the other thing that he said that was really interesting and was struck by it because we asked him about the challenge of uh, labor and manpower. And he said to us that uh, they're, they're, they're spending twice as much in the recruitment of people than they are on advertising and marketing the resort. I was astounded by that. Were you?
1: Absolutely. This is, uh, this is the, the biggest public policy challenge of our time. It's an issue in the cities. It's even more so in the smaller towns and rural areas. If we want economic activity in places like Fox Harbor or Cumberland County in general or any, any all over Nova Scotia, we're going to have to solve this workforce challenge. There are very few employers with the patience of an organization such as Fox Harbor that would spend that much money, that much effort to recruit staff. Now, the issue with them, of course, is that it's the same challenge across the country in terms of these resorts. But just in general, we have got to find a way to solve our workforce challenges all across Nova Scotia, all across the land of Canada. Uh, And increasingly, it's going to have to be immigrants. And we just have to sort of bite the bullet and attract people in that want to work uh, and live in rural Nova Scotia and work in these types of facilities. Now, again, in the summer, he hires a lot of students. uh, And so we also got to make sure there's lots of students, uh, you know, at our universities and colleges. And and hopefully during the summer, many of them can come out and work uh, work at Fox Harbor. But it it seems to me it'll be a very, uh, a failure vision. If we leave all these economic opportunities on the table just because we can't find the workers, let's just go get them and bring them here. They want to come. They want to live here. There's millions of people that would like to live in Nova Scotia. Let's go find them.
0: Yeah, not only that, but there's a lot of temporary foreign workers that are prepared to come here for six or seven or eight months. Uh, You know, he mentioned that they've expanded their uh, housing on site for staff. Uh, they've also um, expanded the housing off uh, site for for staff as well, which is a big economic impact on, on the local community as well. So you know they're they're doing a lot. Uh, they recognize that uh, immigrants and foreign workers are are really probably an important part of their future recruitment strategy. So uh, you know uh, they're doing seems like they're doing a lot of the right things, obviously. And he indicated that they really didn't have. Uh, you know, it's it's a challenge recruiting, but they they were able to staff up uh, for this season. So it, it you know took more effort, but they were successful in that effort. One thing that I wanted to mention because I think this deserves uh, recognition is that uh, you know Kevin, uh, based on his background, has been at almost every major uh, property in Canada: Whistler, Jasper, you know, uh, a, a bunch of others. Like you know, he's. He's the real deal, and I have to tell you, from my own personal knowledge of what he's been able to accomplish, that he has been a game changer for that resort. Uh, He's a visionary, you can tell, um, very experienced, and like um, you know, the fact that he's been there for the for a reasonably long term has really made a difference from before he was there to this current period. So I, like I, I, he deserves recognition for the success that he's had based on my own personal experience.
1: There's a lot of people that think this is a backwater, but it seems to me Atlantic Canada and the Maritimes have been able to attract a lot of top talent and this is an example he said he loved to get back to Nova Scotia. They were him and his uh, partner were very excited to get back to Nova Scotia. so that you're right. he built a expertise, he's one of the top players in the industry and brought that talent to Fox Harbor.
0: Yeah and you know uh, again, sometimes this is overstated, but you know we're starting to build. Uh, many world-class attractions. And that's part of being a successful economy, isn't it? And and this is one example. It's probably, uh, you know, it's a very good example because it's a very highly rated uh, resort nationally. Uh, but, you know, the more we have of this happening, the more people are attracted to uh, coming to our region, not just to visit, but maybe to stay and work.
1: We're shedding this image of a backwater, of a a sort of a a slower kind of backwoods place. I think we are, and it's assets like Fox Harbor, but also what's going on in our cities. I think this region is starting to get rebranded nationally and maybe even a little bit internationally as a a kind of a cool place to live and work. And that's going to help attract investment and companies and help grow. And you and I will continue to tell the stories.
0: Yeah. So with that rather longer uh, introduction, we're pleased to uh, present our very interesting conversation with Kevin Toth, the uh, president and COO of Fox Harbor, and this will be uh, a very interesting story for those, particularly for those people who have not yet been able to uh, visit the resort. So here's our conversation. Kevin, welcome to the podcast.
1: Uh, great to be here, Don. Thank you for the invitation. Kevin, you've been president of Fox Harbor for the past seven years. Can you tell us a little bit about your own career path and how you ended up in your current role with Fox Harbor?
2: Yeah, uh, David, um, I guess I arrived on the tarmac of of Fox Harbor in 2015. um, And what brought me here was a a long career in the hospitality uh, field. I, I started off my career. Um, in Ontario and um, uh, worked for a, a Western company for a time called Sandman Hostels and then uh, ended up joining Canadian Pacific Hotels actually in Halifax on the West Coast and um, enjoyed an 18-year career with Canadian Pacific and Fairmont Hotels, uh, worked in a number of their flagship properties. Um, I opened the Hotel McDonald. Um, back in 1990, um, worked at the Chateau Laurier as the uh, operations manager. Back to the Hotel McDonald as general manager, uh, general manager of the Fairmont Jazz Park Lodge for five wonderful years there. And then another four years um, at the Fairmont Chateau Whistler as the general manager. And throughout that, um, time period of Fairmont, I was, I was given opportunities to do a lot of renovations additions to the opening of the Fairmont was, or the hotel Mac was a $30 million project and always had, uh, interest in the development side of, of the business as well. Um, I left Fairmont and partnered with a gentleman from Calgary and we, uh, uh developed a, a resort on the sunshine coast of british columbia called rockwater secret cove resort and did a real estate development as well an oceanside real estate development while we were there which was a lot of fun and uh and very rewarding um peter and i my partner and subsequently sold the uh resort and uh i joined a company called skyline hotels and resorts out of toronto and we had uh, a number of large resorts: uh, the Deerhurst Resort, um, Horseshoe Resort, Ski Golf Resort. Um, we owned fifty percent of Blue Mountain, and also owned a couple of hotels in Cleveland: a, a Hyatt and a Crown Plaza, and some boutique hotels in uh, Toronto. But we bought and acquired the King Edward Hotel in uh, in Toronto, an iconic hotel. And, um, I was the asset manager for that property, uh, through the partnership, the ownership partnership. And we developed a, it's about a $60 million renovation condo development within the hotel. So, um, that was great. And I had the opportunity to join Mr. Joyce and, and Steven at Fox Harbor. And it looked like an ideal thing. My wife and I were very excited about moving back to Nova Scotia, get out of the rat race of the big smoke and have a look back from that day. So that's what brought me to Fox Harbor.
1: All right, so Fox Harbor was initially developed by Ron Joyce, as you indicated, the for, the co-founder of Tim Hortons. He wanted to build a lasting legacy in the region where he grew up as a child. The resort was opened in 2000. We'd like to know a little bit more about the economic impact of the resort in Cumberland County, uh, where it's located. How much has been invested in the resort uh, since 2000?
2: You know, I mean, Mr. Joyce, um, when he started, I think it was, um, it sort of grew a bit organically, uh, from the golf course and the, the runway. And then, you know, the guest accommodations and the spa and the sports shooting facility. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's well over $125 million that has been invested into, into this property. And that, you know, doesn't include the, the private investment of people that have built homes here.
0: Oh, Kevin, that's a, that's a big number. And obviously, it's had a big impact on the local economy uh, in Cumberland County and, and beyond. I'm sure um, we'd like to find out a little bit more about the economic impact aspect of the operation. Do you have a, an idea of how much the resort spends annually in Nova Scotia on goods and services?
2: Yeah, uh, Don, it's about seven million um, a year on uh, on goods and services. So that's you know our cost of sales for uh, food and beverage, which obviously doesn't all originate from Nova Scotia, but certainly comes through Nova Scotia. And then, you know, a high percentage of our expenses, um, um, you know, our Nova Scotian property. So, you know, last year we spent about seven million dollars in, in direct goods and services that, you know, end up getting consumed by by our guests and members.
0: Yeah, you know, that's a that's a decent number for sure. Um, uh, it's also our understanding i think i had a conversation with you about this not that long ago that fox harbor is the second largest tax commercial taxpayer in the county uh, maybe you can give us an idea of you know what that tax uh, revenue is worth to uh, the county of cumberland yeah,
2: you know, I know that number, Don, um, but um, we're sort of in a bit of a disagreement position with with uh, Cumberland County, so I don't think it's fair to, to share that number at this point. Um, but it's it's substantial, and it's substantial relative to uh, Fox Harbor being a relatively self-sustained community. Um, we do our own wastewater treatment facilities. We do our, you know, we manage our freshwater treatment facilities we manage our own roads and infrastructure um so uh which which is borne by the resort and and to a certain degree lesser degree by the the residents um that uh, that live with us
0: that sounds a little like uh what's going on in florida with disneyland and desantis <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, so, Kevin, can you tell us a little bit about your workforce? How many people are employed uh, at Fox Harbor during your peak season? And what's approximately what size payroll are we talking about?
2: Yeah. Um, so, um, David, if we can just go back to Don's question about the, the spend. Um, I think it's important to note that our capital spend, um, which, you know, over the last two years during COVID, um, has been well over twenty five million dollars. Um, that we've spent building the convention center, guest accommodation and a total of 20 houses that we owned and subsequently sold, you know, it was well north of 30, $35 million. And that has gone directly from into the economy of, of Nova Scotia through contractors, supplies and and whatnot. So I just wanted to, to mention that, um, Mm -hmm. uh, Don, um, you know, the, um, uh, your question, I'm sorry, the question as, as far as number of employees, uh, yep. David. Yep. Yeah. So right now we're, well, last week we were at about 245, 245 employees. Um, by the end of this month, we'll be down to about 200. Um, and that's because of our student employment base that we'll start returning back to college and university.
1: So like many other businesses, you've had some challenges finding people to work. Can you tell us a little bit about those challenges and what strategies you've employed to be able to recruit the staff that you need? Yeah, it's, um, we started off the season actually
2: um, pretty close to where we wanted to be. We probably went into the season maybe 10% down, um, but certainly manageable. But it was only because, you know, we did, we, we, you know, We spent more, we have spent more money on recruiting employees than we have on, um, advertising for customers, probably double the amount, um, you know, through social media and, and, uh, recruiting agencies and every, every recruiting strategy or every recruiting platform there is, we We're probably on it. Not unlike any other resort or hotel, uh, in the area. Um, you know, we doubled our human resource, um, Team. We brought in a specialized recruitment uh, agency. Um, you know, we're working closely with the immigration agencies um, to um, access more foreign worker programs, uh, temporary foreign workers, and access to new Canadians. Um, and, we, you know, that's probably where we think um, our largest opportunity is long term is, is through you know, effective immigration strategies and, um, and foreign worker, uh, programs. Um, you know, we have going into the season, we knew that we were going to need to be competitive on the wage side and the benefit side. Um, we rolled out a number of specific retention strategies. We, um, increased our staff housing on site, And we also, I think, I think right now I. I have a total of nine um, private homes and apartments in the local area that that were rented to provide uh, additional, you know, senior staff, housing, management, housing um, in the area. So it's, it's certainly been a, it's been a challenge for sure.
0: Uh, just a quick follow-up, um, Kevin, you know, you mentioned immigration and foreign workers. Is, is there a group that you're particularly targeting for the resort uh, that you've been maybe more successful at uh, uh, recruiting?
2: I don't know if we've been more successful uh, than other, um, other resorts. I, I know one resort that's done a, that's been very successful in their foreign worker program, but I think coming into next year with the new uh, regulations, mostly on food and beverage service and housekeepers, where we're able to more easily access um, those workers, I think next year will be much more successful. We've got, I think we've got applications in for twenty-two employees um, already, and uh, we'll work over the off season to make sure that we can secure that, and also make sure that we have, you know, adequate quality, um, uh, quality accommodations um, so we can retain them throughout our season.
0: Yeah, you're 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 coming. You're becoming a bit like the the old C.P. hotels, which um, you know uh, had uh, you know staff on site. That's you know like the Banff and Jasper where you were, uh, you know, you, you you were able to house them on site, which was a big advantage. Sounds like you're you're putting a little bit more effort on on that side. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Both,
2: you know, both on um, on site, but also you know Stephen Joyce and I. You know, talking a lot about the advantages of having um, people, you know, move into Pugwash, Wallace, Tatamagosh area, um, you know, become long-term residents in those communities, and uh, you know, we've got some strategies to help, you know, our, our management team uh, settle in the area so we can retain them. And uh, you know, it's a, it's a great place to live. So, uh, um, and we've been successful on a number of fronts of that. We're, we're going to continue to be able to support our, our local communities. So they're more and more attractive for, for people to move to.
0: Yeah. I I've noticed from my most recent uh, visit to the resort that there's been a bit of a housing boom uh, at the resort coming out of the uh, pandemic. I think you mentioned that you built 20, 20 homes over the last, I guess, couple of years. Uh, yeah. It's my understanding that they're all sold. So obviously that's a that's an important uh, aspect of the long-term viability of the resort having more um, uh, owners on the property. What what is your what is your long-term goal in terms of the number of private houses that might be uh, possible on the property that you have? Yeah, you know, um,
2: there's there's a there's a number, but it, it needs to be it needs to be purpose-built and and it needs to be be careful. I mean, the next big step is going to be, um, you know, phase residential around the new nine holes, Don. Um, right. And, and we haven't even started. We've, we've, we've planned on the, we've got the golf course plans, but we don't have the residential, um, side down and we're just aligning all our professional, um, consultants to help us, uh, envision that. Um, you know our capacity to build out is is in the hundreds but i don't think we'll ever get there um you know because we've got 1150 acres and we're we, we've got the water and the sewage capacity to do it but you know i i think purpose careful planning is super important we don't the, the joyce you know steven and, and mr Joyce never had the plan to have this high density resort and uh, a lot of open space needs to be be uh, retained so You know, it's probably about another 60 units, Don, you know, between now and the next, over the next eight to 10 years, I would say. But, uh, um, you know, don't hold me to that number. But uh, I don't, I can't envision it being much more than that.
0: Uh, You recently completed the new Ron Joyce Conference Center. It's beautiful, by the way. Um, Thank you. Can you tell us more about those facilities and the rationale behind building the conference center?
2: Yeah, so... um, you know, our meeting business, um, you know, it's a meeting businesses we've really focused on since, since I arrived. Um, you know, the, the, the resort operates most effectively and we produce the best guest experience when it's about 50-50 leisure travelers or leisure guests and group guests. Um, it sort of spreads out the experiences or, or the guests to experience uh, different things and it does a great that higher sense of capacity and um, we felt that we needed to have a you know a a more elevated meeting facility um than what we had in in the uh in the our spa building um and so we just we just started that and we built it you know it's, it's probably a bit overbuilt for what the guest room accommodations we have right now but we also anticipate that we're going to continue to grow and we didn't want to have to build another conference center in 10 years, which happens to many, many, uh, resorts. They don't build big enough meeting facilities. So, you know, we're blessed with, uh, you know, the, the Nova Scotia ballroom, which I, I personally think is probably the most dramatic ballroom, uh, in Nova Scotia and some world-class meeting facilities within that building. And we built, um, we built the um, infrastructure around that building to be, um, you know, world-class audiovisual capacities, uh, hybrid meetings, great kitchen, a great great kitchen um, that can service high-end uh, food and beverage products. Um, indoor parking. As we expand into the off season, uh, one of our goals is to stretch out our seasonality. So you know, it sits on 38 uh, parking spots. A lot of people say, "Why would you build parking?" But we, we plan to spread out our season, so indoor parking will be uh, 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 important for us going going uh, long haul. So you know, specific markets we do very well in the wedding uh, segment. We're very popular wedding destination, and uh, we want to continue to grow our our corporate meetings and our uh, incentive market. Most are in. Our international incentive uh, market. We just hosted the uh, Incentive Canada, which is a a covenant uh, group of incentive uh, meeting planners and buyers. Um, And Fox Harbor was was fortunate to be able to host them this year uh, in last, I think it was late June. And we had a successful business and we really are an incentive market product. Um, Even now, Don, you would know that you know, many of our groups that come here, they'll meet in the morning and then golf and enjoy the the resorts in the afternoon and have celebrations at night. And that's really our niche market. That's that's what we do. And we, I think we do it pretty good.
0: Uh, just and to that, clarify, what is your what will be the, the ultimate capacity when you have accommodation to support it of the uh, of the Joy Center?
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, probably. The ballroom can seat 300, but I think this, the real number is probably about that 250 range, uh, Don. That, that's that's the number, right?
0: Okay. Yeah. Thank
1: you. So you talked a little bit about some of the targets you've been working on and so on, but how in general are your bookings looking now going forward and, and how long do you think the center will allow you to extend your season?
2: Well, you know, I've, I think we're just going to start slowly pushing out. This year we're going to stay open until the third week of December, um, to accommodate some Christmas parties. We're going to do some live, um, uh, performances. Some, we always do a culinary weekend. We have girlfriends, uh, getaway weekends, build some programming around that and start doing some regional meetings, attracting some more regional association and corporate meetings. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot of what well, there's a, there's opportunities for, um, companies to bring their groups out um although they can't golf they can meet here and do some of the off-season uh activities i mean we have a world-class pool um we have the sports shooting still open we have hiking trails biking trails so uh, we think we think that we can continue to accommodate that and, and get companies to come out and get get out of the city for for a day or two as well
1: so don asked you a bit about the size of the conference facilities but and you talked about your residential side of things, but do you have any plans to develop any other accommodations?
2: Yeah, you know, our, our strategy is to, um, to build out residents and we've got a, a rental um, uh, management agreement that's been quite successful. Um, you know, we have a number of owners that, um, you know, this is not their primary, most of our owners, it's not this is not their primary uh, residence and they use it for their, their vacation uh, home. And uh, we've got a, a, a very strong rental agreement. We've been successful in getting that. So, and it, it, it creates a pretty pretty neat offering um, to our visitors. I mean, we have lots of, of golf groups that come out that it allows, it allows a golf group to enjoy, you know, a nice custom built home um, and those facilities. So strategically right now, we don't have any accommodations on the books planned to build, but we do intend to continue our rental management agreements which you know satisfies our residents needs and satisfies our needs so it's pretty symbiotic
0: um we understand uh, based on your earlier comments that you're you're planning to add another 9 holes to your golf course um can you tell us when you expect that that project would start yesterday yesterday um,
2: <laughs> yeah we started yesterday um, really? so really oh you're yeah talking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We started well, yesterday. This is, uh, this
0: is very timely then.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, um, we uh, I, I officially sent the notice out to the members, Don. So I, I can't, we can't, Steve and I can't go back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're, uh, yeah. So the, uh, the golf course construction company started yesterday. They're, they're mobilizing and um, we'll uh, build the back, or start um, clearing and, and grubbing the back part of the property uh, where the golf course is going so it won't have any impact on our guests experience uh, and then once winter comes around or late fall we'll start uh, going to more where the Par three course is and along the ocean front so we, uh, we plan to have the golf course in play for the spring opening spring of, of 2025.
0: Okay, not that far away. Yeah. Uh, You earlier mentioned that in the last couple years, if I've got this right, you've spent between 25 and 30 million on capital uh, for the uh, convention center and new accommodations. But uh, looking at maybe other uh, building of accommodation and the new nine holes, how much capital do you anticipate will be invested in the resort, let's say over the next five years?
2: Well, you know, I think with the, the, the golf course, we're going to uh, expand our spa, um, Dola Spa. We'll be doing that this, this winter. Um, we, we're contemplating a, a new townhouse development um, that hopefully we'll be able to do this winter if we, we're, we're fortunate enough to get that going. And then obviously the golf course and the roads and infrastructure for the golf course, you know, that'll, that alone, you know, we're probably looking at another 30, 30 million, just, just with those projects. Um, and then, you know, what we do again, we haven't envisioned out the, the residential play yet, but, uh, you know, it's substantial amount of investment will continue to, um, you know, be supplied by the Joyce family Stephen Steven and, and the Joyce family. So, um, I think it's going to be very exciting, uh, you know, next five, six years, uh, here at fox harbor
1: so fox harbor is more than a golf resort i i think of that annual soiree that frank mckenna throws it's almost like a mini davos uh yeah. in nova scotia the with the type of talent he and and uh, people that he brings there but uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about the amenities and other things other than golf uh that are available for the non-golfers
2: when i first arrived here you know fox it used to be called fox harbor golf resort and spa and um, I think after year two, I, I dropped the golf and I dropped the spot to change the, to Fox Harbor Resort. And I felt that, it, you know, the, the title was almost hamstring because we're much more than that. Um, you know, besides the great golf that we have, you know, we have sports shooting. You know, we have our own own yacht that we do, yacht day cruises over to Prince Edward Island and along the coast. We have a kayak center. We have fly fishing, uh, catch and release, uh, trout fishing, the sports shooting, which I meant, uh, the Dola Spa, which is you know a very very popular destination spa, um, so popular that we're going to expand it. You know we have a, a great wellness uh, center, including a twenty or a junior Olympic junior Olympic size swimming pool. Um, you know you can ocean swim here. We have access down to the, the beaches. Um, you know, we just built last year a pickleball court and a new tennis court. We have a, a great, great, uh, golf learning academy. Um, and we have, you know, I think pretty good, uh, great, uh, food and beverage offerings from fine dining to up in Cape cliff and, and downstairs, more casual dining in Willards. We're the only two goblet, um, um, Cape is the only two goblet wine spectator restaurant uh, east of Montreal. Um, So we're pretty proud of our, our wine list as well. So, you know, and, and at the end of the day, um, I think our, our strongest, not that it's an amenity, but is, is the quality of of experience that we can provide guests through our, our colleagues. you know i'm i'm immensely proud of our our team um mostly working in pretty difficult uh situations through the pandemic and uh and the, the labor challenges that right we have you know we we're ranked this we have the second highest trip advisor ranking uh of any resort in in canada and 21st highest trip advisor uh ranking uh, of any hotel or resort in, in Canada. So, um, yeah, so, you know, they, they're, they're really the reasons our guests keep coming back, and quite frankly. They're really the reasons why our, our residents uh, enjoy living here at Fox Harbor at the end of the day.
1: So you talked about the quality of your wine cellar. We understand you actually have a new vineyard to produce wine for the resort. Can I you do. tell us where you are in the development of that vineyard and what your goals are from that initiative?
2: yeah we're um, we started the vineyard the first year I was here, 2015 and uh, um, you know Ron Joyce was enamored with the, the idea and, and Stephen with the idea of developing a vineyard Ron, Mr. Joyce you know said, well look, at least it's providing you know some employment to the, the local community and, and back in 2015, you know um, this area was, was, was in need of employment opportunities. And, uh, since then, we're, you know, we're, uh, 26 acres. is one of the largest, um, vineyard blocks in Nova Scotia. Um, and we produce six different varieties of, of, uh, of grapes. Uh, we manage the, the vineyard ourselves. Um, we have a great vineyard crew and a great vineyard uh, manager. And then we partner, we have a grower, um, relationship with uh, Carl and Donna Sparks over at Yoast Vineyard. So um, we ship the grapes off to, uh, to Yoast Vineyard and their winemaker, Gina, um, produces uh, um, about 20% of the stock we, we use and we bottle for our own uh, purposes and our guests' purposes. So this year we have an estate blend uh, and we also have our first year of a cuvee brut. Next year we'll be offering a uh, a blanc de blanc style uh, sparkling wine, and uh, every year it sells out. Um, so I think we're almost out of the brood already. So uh, so it's it's great, and you know from a sense of arrival, you know the last thing you expect in Nova Scotia on the North Shore when you come to a resort is to see a vineyard. Um, and it's <laughs> it's been it's been very we're very proud of of our vineyard and uh, what we've been able to do when there's there is a lot of naysayers uh, going into it. So, uh,
0: Let's talk about uh, Fox Harbor's role as a tourism attraction to the region and Nova Scotia overall. We'd like to see what the impact is on the tourism side of the operation. How many guests sure. would you, would you uh, attract on an annual basis, Kevin? Just on the straight accommodations,
2: about 30 to 35,000 on an annual basis. I'm going to say another 10,000 come through the gate for, you know, meetings, day trips, that sort of stuff. Uh, so, you know, it's got to be around the thirty-five, forty
0: thousand uh, 40,000 per annum. You're doing way better than the Armistice Ferry for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, let's talk about the impact of the pandemic on, on your operations. Sure. Um, you know, obviously it was difficult uh, for people to travel you know, uh, talk about that period and maybe kind of uh, give us an idea of where you are on your current occupancy numbers compared to where your numbers were prior to the pandemic, if you could.
2: Sure. Um, So I'll I'll answer your second question first. So um, we're probably, I'm going to say we're up about 12% in occupancy compared to 2019. And 2019 was a banner year. Um, Our occupancy has been, been very strong a bit of that is a hangover for uh from the pandemic because you know weddings and groups um you know they didn't meet they all got canceled we we're lucky enough to retain those agreements and move them into uh, 2022 um so you know a lot of the weddings that you know that we're having this weekend were actually booked in for 2020. But even going forward, there's there seems to be a bit of not a bit a lot of pent up demand on the group booking side, um, because now those group those companies that you know haven't met for two years are anxious to start uh, start meeting, um, and then on the leisure side, it's it's been uh, it's been unpre- I, I can only say unprecedented. I never thought that the um, that the, the market would respond as fast as it did. And we, we actually saw it soon as Omicron stopped last, what, maybe mid February, the, the phones lit up and it actually started on the US side uh, faster than the Canadian side. You know, and I think that, you know, if not that we would necessarily accept that much more business, um, but, you know, if air travel was back to somewhat of normal and, um, you know, we didn't have the other disruptors going on as far as car rentals are concerned and, you know, uh, vaccination uh, paperwork concerns. And, you know, we'd be we'd be, I think I I read a, a statement that said in Canada, there's probably a backload of about fifteen percent of international travel. That's just we the 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 industry can't handle. Right. Because it's short staff and can't get a rental car and can't get a, an airplane. Uh, uh, seat we're not we're, we're probably in line with that
0: but just to follow up on that question uh sure. kevin I, I understand that er, at least early in the season you weren't able to open all your rooms because you didn't have enough staff to clean it is that is that is that true uh not this season i mean we we were we went in soft because we just
2: had a lot of of newer team members um that we wanted to train up uh don same with on the restaurant side, we went a bit, we went into the season a bit soft. Um, but certainly for 20, like last year, I stopped taking reservations. I think it was August 14th of last year. Um, just because of, of, uh, lack of, of staff and our, our, desire to, to make sure that we could maintain the guest experience. Um, you know, there's a, there's always a long-term play and, uh, um, you know, Guest, our guest service experience is, is paramount to us so you know you gotta you gotta take that balancing act uh, you know we'll like next tuesday we're gonna shut down cape cliff dining room just as an example so we can give the staff all a day off together um you know and just we were doing a bunch of that sort of smaller stuff just to make sure we can you know maintain the health of our of our colleagues and uh and we just got to create some some breaks for them interesting right. enough so.
1: so um as you know kevin there's nothing like fox harbor in new Brunswick. nothing even close and i think one of the reasons you can you are successful is because you are able to attract guests from far and wide can you give our listeners some idea of where your guests originate where they where they come from
2: well you know, I'm, I'm really proud to say that about 60 percent of them are from the Maritimes, um, you know, and um, that hasn't changed all that much. I mean, our overall visits, visitors changed, but the, the swing hasn't changed all that much. And, um, you know, we, we actually had a uh, had through COVID a relatively successful two years. And that's to the thanks of, of the uh, of the regional market. Uh, and even the Nova Scotia market, we're, you know, so blessed that we got that visitation. So to answer your question, about 60% Maritimes, you know, I'm going to say 20%, uh, GTA, Montreal, um, you know, U S North, Northeast U S. Um, you know, we do pretty good in the New York market. Um. And so the rest would be international 5 to 7%. A bit more in international we're seeing because of the incentive market. And then the rest would be U.S. Um, overall. But you know, a good solid 60% is mostly New Brunswick and, uh, and Nova Scotia. You know, I'm going to say 5% out of PEI and Newfoundland.
1: You talked earlier about uh, some of the challenges with air air transportation. Have you seen any change just in the last year in terms of the origin of your guests? Are you more reliant now on Nova Scotia and New Brunswick? you know I, I'm hearing
2: that I'm gonna I'm gonna say no the, the, our international travelers um, or, or, or you know people coming out of the US or even people coming out of GTA or out of the region uh, they seem to make it here <laughs> sometimes they're a couple hours late and I have to leave a couple hours early. Um, but they're, they're, I think they're damned in turn to get here. <laughs> you know, I had a, I had a client that, you know, left this morning. We have a shuttle service. One of the ways we overcame the rent car issue was is we expanded our shuttle service to the airport. Um, and you know, she left at five 30 this morning for like a 10 30, uh, flight back to Toronto. Um, just, just to be safe we're normally she'd probably leave her about seven 30, right? Or seven. So.
0: One of the interesting things about the resort, and it's uh, you know, is the fact that it's got its own runway on site. You know, obviously that was a decision uh, made by Ron Joyce, I think, early on. Uh, how important has this runway been to the resort over the years, Kevin?
2: You know, I, I think it, it's a bit of a centerpiece. We we enjoy about 200 arrivals uh, in the season. It's an important piece of our business. Obviously, it carries probably our more affluent uh, market. Um, and it also creates opportunities, um, for longer stays as well. Um, you know, our jet stays tend to be a bit longer and, you know, they'll ground service, you know, most of our golfers, they'll ground service out, out and we'll do shuttles up to Cabot or, um, or up to uh, Celtic or, or various areas of Nova Scotia. So, you know, I, I think that it's uh, you know, a bit of a brainchild or a lot of a brainchild by. Mr. Joyce, and uh, something that we continue to feel is an important um, attribute to the resort, for sure.
0: Uh, just as a, a sort of a side uh, question on that, I, I, I understand that you're also offering uh, excursions to Sable Island from the resort. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, we've been doing this for a few years. Um, and so we, uh, we partner with uh, Visionaire and Canuck um travel and um with the guests fly out of, of fox harbor directly to sable island um they have a professionally guided uh, experience they're about six hours on the uh, on the island and they have a food and beverage experience here and a champagne welcome back and uh whatnot and they it's been a it's been a very successful uh uh program and uh you know we were very uh I felt it was super important that we did it with a you know because the same lines uh controlled with Parks Canada working in Jasper I've got lots of experience uh with heritage tourism and ecotourism and I thought this was a good uh, start for us in that and uh you know it's been very successful our last trip I think is on Monday um but hmm. yeah it's it's been great experience for all concerned and lots of happy guests coming off those helicopters
0: Uh, Beyond what we've already discussed, uh, what other future plans for the the resort do you have under consideration at the moment? So, um, yeah, so we're going to start the
2: expansion of our Dolan Spa. Uh, We're going to add about 2,500 square feet in a two-season phased approach. So where the North Humberland Room is, uh, which is our largest meeting facility, in the spa building. We'll, we'll convert that into di- uh, additional spa space. And then the following year we'll we'll renovate the Dola Spa uh, off season. And so for the spring of 2024, we'll have a brand new um, spa. That's probably the biggest, um, um, you know, accommodation orientated uh, project uh, besides the, uh, a townhouse project and getting the golf course uh, uh, renovate. We've renovated our fine dining room, um, our other restaurant, all our guest rooms are, are newly renovated. Uh, we did that over the pandemic. I don't know why I like doing construction projects over the over pandemics, but we, we got them done. So.
0: <laughs> Could I just Kevin ask one? you, this is, a, sorry, uh, David, but uh, this is a question we, we probably should ask. It, it do you ever foresee a time when when the resort is becomes a year-round resort? Uh, I you know what?
2: I I I don't see it within 10 years. I think that I think it's it would be a tough slog in January, February. Uh, but you know we'll continue year over year we'll inch toward it. You know, I use um, I used Lake Louise and Jasper Park Lodge, the same mechanism. They, they pushed out their shoulder seasons and then one year they said, let's go, you know, it makes sense to go uh, year round. You know, I, I, am hopeful as infrastructure improves sort of like what's happening up at Wentworth, they've got a new uh, quad going in. Um, and as leisure activities build along the North shore, then I think that and infrastructure opens, and you know towns, you know Tadamegush and Pugwash, add more restaurants and more, you know amenities that are more year oriented. Then I could think we do it, but I don't think we can necessarily completely do it by ourselves. Um, I think we need to see development in the local communities as well. We, you know, we'll play a role in it, but I don't think it's it's going to be just us. If that makes sense.
0: Right. Thanks.
1: So we got just one last question. Don and I are interested in economic development. That's the theme behind this this podcast. So we wanted to ask you about sort of the economic sustainability of Fox Fox Harbor. We understand it's been subsidized by the owners um, uh, to get to where you are today. Are you uh, are you confident that Fox Harbor will be a financially stable and sustainable uh, organization moving forward?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been we've been marching in that direction. Um, you know, and uh, and Stephen Joyce is, continues to be very active and supportive in making sure that we have the ability to maintain our, our standards and grow our brand, you know, with quality accommodations and amenities uh, so we can do it right so it is sustainable long-term. You know, we could probably do it tomorrow if we wanted to, um, but the right way to do it and to maintain that long-term sustainability is is to provide that, you know, that quality luxury experience um, to both our, our residents and our and our and our guests, and uh, we'll get there. We're certainly marching very close to that in that direction.
1: So, Kevin, we'd like to thank you for joining us today on the Insights Podcast, and we would like to wish you continued success in your important economic role in uh, in uh, Cumberland County and that part of uh, Nova Scotia. So, thanks again. Great. Thank you, Don. Thank you, David. Thanks, Kevin.
0: You've been listening to the latest episode of the Huddle Insights podcast. Mark Legier helped produce this episode. You can follow the show and listen to past episodes on podcast platforms like Apple and Spotify. And if you've enjoyed listening, please recommend the show to a friend. Don and David will be back again next week.